0: of Mark, the Gospel of Mark in chapter 6, we're going to read together from verses 30 to 34. Mark chapter 6, beginning at verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that had been done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and then they had no leisure even to eat. They went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them, Many things. Amen. This is God's word. Often people have a faulty impression of just who God is. Some people see God as being so high and holy that he has no time for people like you and like me. Others see him, and I say this reverently as a resembling doting old grandfather who winks at sin and just kind of watches his creation with amusement to see what will happen next. God is a holy God. God is a living God and God this morning if we are found in Christ is our God yes he is separate from sinners he is untouched by our wickedness and he cannot look upon our sins and our God most certainly does not wink at our sins and sit back as the universe might think, doing its own thing. He is a God who is in control of all things and at all times. And our God is a God who cares. When studying this passage, there were many who did surveys And they asked, who do people think God is? Many people, when they were asked that question to portray God, would say, well, God is a God of wrath and a God of judgment. And yes, He is. But He's also a God of love and a God of compassion and a God of intimacy. He is a God who cares for his people. As we close this calendar year, and perhaps you're wondering what Merv going to bring as a year-end message, we preach consecutively through the Word of God. And these four verses have been such a tonic to my soul, even in this past week, studying it, and I pray that it is for years. And what can we bring God's people as we close a calendar year and we look back and we see the many trials, the many difficulties, the many hard things that have come across our path. For some, there have been really tremendous days. There have been days of much goodness and joy and uplifting. But just like the clock ticks from side to side, there's always a balance between the two. And so what does a preacher bring to his people to encourage them as they look into 2024 and there's a big, massive question mark over the top of it? It's this. God... is good God is a God who cares as one of your pastors looking over this last year surely we can say that we have a good God we're sitting here this morning united together in Christ there are those who would long to be here and yet they are uplifted by God as well We're reminded this morning again through these four small verses that perhaps we would read and just want to get to the feeding of the 5,000 because it seems so cool. I remember as a young boy sitting hearing that story of the feeding of the 5,000 in awe and thinking, I want to go to the fishmonger and I want to go to the baker and I want to eat a lot of bread and fish. And yet we miss so much. And these four verses that we've just read this morning reminds us that God cares. One reason he cares is because he knows what we face in life. Why? Take yourself back one week. He came into this earth as a man, as a babe. We remembered his birth. God Almighty robed Himself in human flesh and He lived among men. He died on a cross and He rose again for sinners. That's all of us in this room because we are sinful people. And while He was here, He endured more of His share of pain, of poverty, of suffering. He knows what it's like to do without He knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows what it's like to be hated. He knows what it's like to suffer pain, what it's like to be hungry, thirsty, and alone. He knows what it is like to be hated. Jesus walked through this world and experienced what he did so for us. so that when our time of need would come that he could sympathize with us and that we could grasp that truth this morning as we continue our study of mark's gospel we're confronted with four verses that are truly a wonderful portion of scripture if we were being honest we've read them so many times but have we actually stopped to ponder what they mean? This verse tells us without a shadow of a doubt that indeed Jesus cares for us. This morning I want to point out two groups of people for whom indeed the Lord does care. The title, The Savior Who Cares, is such a precious truth to all of us this morning. And so as we open up these four verses, I do so under these two headings. He cares about laboring servants, and he cares about lost sheep. He cares about laboring servants, and he cares about lost sheep. The events of verse 30 take place right after the events of verse 13. If you were to go back there, they've been sent out and they cast out many demons and anointed them with oil, many who were sick and healed them. And then we have those parentheses, those brackets that Mark uses to bring in the death of John the Baptist. But here in verse 30, we take up those apostles again. Jesus sent these 12 disciples out to preach, to teach, and to heal. And their ministry had been an unqualified success. And they came back and they told the Lord all about their ministry. All about what they had taught in those surrounding villages. These men are excited about all that they have witnessed and all the doctrine that they've been able to teach. And you can imagine these men. Remember who they were. Remember some of their traits. I'm sure they were butting in at different places, trying to talk over one another, trying to get what they were coming across with. The, this verse, the apostles returning to Jesus and told them all that they had done and taught was indeed a time of great excitement and a great time of great joy in the lives of these men. The same goes for us. There is no greater thrill in life than to serve the Lord. To serve him and to serve his people. When you stop to consider where you came from and how God saved your soul. What an amazing thing. The end of a year we tend to reflect and we tend to think. This morning, I urge you, remember the day of your conversion. Remember that time when you were wallowing in your sin and he saved your soul. And then think of the work that you've been able to do in in perhaps some small or great way in his kingdom and what a blessing that is. A blessing at times too great to comprehend. The Lord saved us to serve him. We are here as God's people, equipped for a special work. Yes, many in different ways. And yet we're called to serve our great God. It's a wonderful thing indeed to be busy for the Lord. That God even allows us to serve him as such a wonderful thing. there are no small tasks in his kingdom. So I ask you this morning, how are you serving God? How are you serving the kingdom of God? As you ask that question, many will say, I've had no training. I don't know what to do. Look at the disciples. Think of who they were. They were sent out with very little training and limited knowledge, and yet they were sent out to do God's work. Don't wait until you know it all to do something for the Lord. The simple fact is that this side of eternity, we will not know it all. But God has given each of us talents. He's given us gifts to bless his kingdom with. For some of you, it's, it's meal prep. When I wrote this, I thought back of the year that's gone past. It's cooking meals in your homes for others who are struggling. Struggling. It's looking after children so that others can even go on on dates with husbands and wives. That they can go on different things and knowing that their children are cared for. It's coming alongside families and, and clearing trees and brush, gathering wood to keep them warm in the winter. For others, it's the way that you're able to write and encourage through texts and letters. For others, it's opening your home and having hospitality. For some, it's being that prayer warrior in the closet for those that maybe have no idea. Brothers and sisters, in these days, we are to be about the work of the kingdom. Please never think to yourself, I'm only able to do this small thing. Can I encourage you to do whatever that might be? There is no size with God. There is only doing or not doing. And as you do it, do it to his glory and to his honor. May it be that as we serve and as we encourage one another in the work, we would not do it for man's appraisal. But that we would do it to the glory and the honor of God. You see, when Jesus hears the reports. And he sees and he hears all the things that these men have done. And he sees their enthusiasm. He gives some, as some commentators said. Some strange advice. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. But Lord, we are on a roll. There are so many who we have taken the gospel to that we could go back to. There are many people who we need to go and help. And what does God, what does Christ say here? Come away and rest. The people were listening. The crowds were coming and it seemed like this was a perfect time to send these men out again and to preach and to heal and to increase even more. But yet Christ knew them. Christ knew that these were mere men. There are many reasons perhaps why the Lord does that did this. You see the physical stress of ministry is enormous. When the disciples returned to Jesus they find him surrounded by crowds of needy people. The people were coming and going at such a frenzy that, that Jesus and his man didn't even have time to eat. Surely that constant stress would wear anyone out. And Christ knew his man. He knew these disciples and he knew that they needed to rest their bodies if they were going to be effective as they could be. So he takes and he, and he puts them in a boat. And they begin to sail to a desolate place. The same is true in our day. God did not design our bodies to go as hard as perhaps we would like them to go. He never intended us to run through this world with, in our day, a cell phone to our ears, a day planner in our hand, and a schedule so full of activity that no one could possibly get anything done. God expects us to take the times that our body needs at times to rest. Our days, our months, and our years have all come from Him. The turn of the earth in one day is a day. That cycle around the moon is a month, and around the sun is a year. God is a God of order. And God has given us this day. This day to come and to rest. Our Bible clearly tells us in Exodus 20 that man is to work six days and rest on the Sabbath. The day that he's given us indeed is that gift of grace. And God knows that our bodies need this time of rest to set aside those physical labors. I'm not advocating here that tonight you all just stay at home in your pajamas and just don't do anything. That's not the rest I mean. But our bodies at times need rest from physical labor. Do a day of gardening. Or in my day, when I was a young boy, Go and pick potatoes in a field. Nightmare. You'd wake up the next morning and you'd realize that you had muscles in your back that you never knew were there from bending over all day. We need the physical rest. But this day is not a day of spiritual rest. This is a day when as God's people we come to the means of grace. Yes, physically we are not working but spiritually we are being lifted up. David Murray in his book Reset said that 45 minutes of hard preaching is equivalent in mental and physical stress to working eight hours. I think Jeff and I would agree to that. And anyone else who's preached Mentally and physically, standing here proclaiming the word can be a physical and mental, as it were, workout. If you want to know what to pray for your pastors, pray that their minds and their body would be able to cope. This might seem simple, and yet it's not. Our Lord Jesus took these men aside for rest. They were burning themselves out. Murray goes on in his book to talk about pastoral burnout. And it can happen. And as God's people, we need to be praying for those who lead not only in this church, but other men in other congregations who are faithful to the word of God. That as we do so, we would do it with all the might that God has given us. Because yes, we may have physical burnout. But something else here that one that Matthew Henry brought out, which was quite alarming even to my own heart, was that the disciples at this point were in danger of that great sin of pride. If these men had been sent right back out And they had seen the same or even greater results. There is a danger, as Henry says, that they might begin to think that they were something special. The truth was, they did nothing. Yes, they were the mouthpieces. But it was God's work. We must, as men and as leaders and as fathers, even in our homes, never come to the place where we think that this is about us. This is not Jeff's church. This is not Merv's church. This is God's church. And it's God who raises up leaders and brings down others and preachers, those who preach and even those who teach when you preach what you might think is a great message, give him the glory. Sunday school teachers, when you think things go well in your class and the kids have sat attentively and listened, do not pat yourself on the back. Give the glory to God. If we're not real real careful, we can fall into the trap Of thinking that we are special. If we're not careful, we can become lifted up in pride and forget that anything good, anything good that comes from any of us, comes from the hand of God. Isaiah 64 reminds us that the best that we can produce is trash. But if we yield to the Lord, if we give him the glory, he can use it in wonderful ways. He is the source of strength. He is the one that deserves all of the glory. At times it's hard at the back door. When you greet people and they shake your hand and they say, great sermon. How easy it is to begin to be puffed up and proud. I urge you, brothers and sisters, I urge you, church members, keep Jeff and I accountable to these things, that our heads would not get bigger, that our egos would not grow, But it would be God that would be at the glory. When we begin to think that the success of our ministry The success of what we do is in our own strength and in our own ability, we are headed for a great fall. That isn't the preacher. That isn't the teacher or anyone else who wears a suit of flesh. Our blessings come from God and God alone. And it's him that deserves all the glory. And so if you struggle with these things, as so many of us do, who doesn't like to have a pat on the back? I'm not saying you never do it. But I'm saying be careful. Be careful. And remember to give all the glory to God. Because secondly, He takes cares, He took care of His disciples. They were in that boat. They were heading away for some respite. They were heading away to get, as it were, re-energized. But secondly, we see the heart of Christ. Because in verses 33 to 34, we're going to learn about that he cares for the lost sheep. You see, Jesus and his men make their escape from the crowds, but they didn't go unnoticed. Verse 33 says, Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. The people saw them leaving. They knew who they were. They recognized them, and as it were, they pulled up their tailcoat and they legged it. It was about four miles across the lake on a boat. And on a windless day, it would have taken quite a time to make that trip. The commentators said that it, it's about 10 miles around the shore on the lake. And fast walkers would have made that trip quicker than the boat. These people were walking at some rate. They were clipping along. Why? Because they wanted to get to him. And that's what happened that day. When they got to the other side, it says when he, got, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. There were thousands of people here. Because remember what happens right after this. But even in our day, We see the contrast between ourselves and Christ. Many people get angry if our plans of rest are interrupted by one person. Perhaps we're taking, as we call that, day to ourselves, and we're lounging around the house, and the door knocks. It's never a "Oh yippee, someone's at the door." It's a, who is it? What do they want? Many people would have seen the crowds, as it were, as an interruption and as a nuisance. Some people may have actually stayed in the boat and looked at each other and said, right, let's row harder somewhere else. Let's get rid of these people. But look what the Bible tells us. He sees the crowd. And he, that is Jesus, had compassion on them. When we look at a person in need, there are many different emotional responses that can happen to us. Perhaps at times we've apathy. We see the need, but we really don't care and we move along. And there are so many in our world today like that. Perhaps we have sympathy for a moment. A slight feeling of, well, perhaps we could help them in some way, but maybe never actually coming through. And then there's the word that the Bible uses here of Christ. Compassion. That means, as it were, to be moved inwardly. To yearn with a tender mercy, to have affection, to have pity, and to have empathy on those that you look upon. It refers to the deepest possible feelings. The Bible tells us here that Christ had compassion. From the very bottom of his heart, he looked upon these people and he desired to help them. Jesus saw the people. He was touched by their need. He was moved by a strong desire to meet their need. Christ here had compassion for the lost sheep. When Jesus looked at the people, he saw them as it were as a flock of sheep, as a flock of sheep that were lost. He looked upon them as helpless lambs with no one to care about them. Oh, they had their religious leaders. They had those who they could call spiritual leaders. But those men did not care about the people. The Pharisees, the scribes, and the Sadducees only cared about themselves. They only cared about people doing things their way. They wanted people to march to their chin, to obey their rules and to keep lining their pockets so that they could live that lavish lifestyle. The book of Ezra condemns leadership like that. Those that, as it were, are tyrants. Those that only care about people doing things their way and not God's way. They only want people to march to their chin to obey their rules and to keep putting money in their pockets. When the Jewish religious leaders looked upon that same crowd, they only saw people that were there to make them exist, to serve them. But when the eyes of Christ looked upon them, When the great shepherd looked upon that crowd of people, he saw lost sheep in need of a shepherd. We've lost that image of what sheep are. Some have sheep in our congregation, some have reared sheep for years. And speaking from experience, sheep are about the most dumbest animal on the planet. They have no sense of direction. They are also absolutely defenseless. As a young boy, I used to love watching the sheep herding shows. Kind of nerdy, but that's okay. And you would see a flock of 50 sheep. And they'd all be in the middle of a field. And there'd be a man with a staff. And he'd have this little thing in his mouth. And up popped a dog. And soon, by a sheer whistle, that dog would move and navigate those, those animals through gates and into pens. They're so defenseless that many times the shepherds would have to lie in amongst them. They'd have to, as it were, at times wallow in all of what goes on there to protect them. There's no animal as needy and as dependent on the human as the sheep. And when Jesus refers to the lost people as sheep, he's not insulting them. He's telling them that they have no sense of direction. That they are absolutely defenceless. But that he is the great shepherd. He is the one who can guide. He is the one who can defend. Sheep without a shepherd cannot find their way. Apart from the ministry of the great shepherd, no lost person would ever find their way to God. We are lost and hopeless. We are in need of a shepherd to come and to rescue us. And thank God that's what happened. He didn't lie in that manger for the rest of his life. He came as the one to save his people from their sins. The great shepherd went upon that cross. He bled and he died for you and me. He was buried in that tomb and in three days he rose. And now he is in heaven seated at the right hand of God. You see, sheep without a shepherd are also absolutely defenseless. Apart from the intervention of the heavenly shepherd, No lost person would ever be able to avoid the wrath of God and the fires of hell. He came to seek and to save those that are lost. You see, our religious activity, our good works and our good intentions, and even today, our New Year's resolutions will not get us to heaven. Being a good person is never enough to keep us from hell. The only antidote for the poison of sin is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is your only hope. He is your only way of salvation. As believers, we were even thinking about it this morning of assurance. When that lost sheep When that lost sheep comes and has salvation, they receive absolute security. This morning, if you are a believer in Christ, there is nothing that can snatch you from the hand of God. But do you believe it? He is the good shepherd. He is the one who can help us and the one who can defend us. There are some in here this morning who have no time for these things. This morning you're open to every attack of the evil one. You are a sheep without a shepherd. And I say this as kind and as honestly as I can. Without coming to him, you will be lost for all of eternity. There are some who have sat in this room for a full calendar year and God in his goodness has given you yet another Lord's Day will you spurn him again will you remain that sheep without a shepherd will you remain in your sin this morning I urge you Come to the one with great compassion. Come to the one who can defend and protect. The one who can save your soul. It's not your parents. It's not your attendance at this church. Jeff and I can't save you. All the money that you have in your bank account means nothing. Only Christ and Him alone the great shepherd the one who saves sinners but just as Jesus looked out and he saw that great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd he also saw individuals as he looked out at that throng of people he saw every broken heart every physical ailment, every emotional need, every spiritual problem. He saw it all. He saw that crippled child. He saw that abused wife. He saw that depressed father. He saw that rebellious teenager. And Jesus looked at that crowd and he saw the individual person there themselves. We have a God who knows all things. Our God sees everything that happens in this universe. And yet he knows the very hair on your head. He cares about you and he cares about the needs of your life. We're to go to him. We're to cast our burdens upon him regardless of the problem we face. He's compassion for those who are scattered, those who are, those who are sinning, those who are sick, those who are suffering, those who are seeking Christ, his compassion for them all. He saw them. He knew them. And yet he still had compassion and love for them. He didn't look at what was apparent on the surface. He was able to look at the heart and see their deepest need. He loved these people at the deepest level of his being. He wasn't impatient with them or he wasn't offended by their needs. He had compassion. This morning I ask us, how do we see people? People who are needy. People who are struggling. Do we see them as at times a nuisance? Sometimes we base our evaluation of a person on what we see with our eyes or hear with our ears. Brothers and sisters, we need to be like Christ. Christ. We need to have Christ like compassion on those that we meet in this world. There are some in this room this morning, some who have great problems, some who are struggling, some who have physical ailments, some who are older. Perhaps we look at them at the surface and we see them. Perhaps we think, well, I'll let someone else talk to them. I'll let someone else draw alongside them. They're not really my cup of tea. The Bible tells us that we are to have compassion. We are to love as Christ loved. We're to look at them and see them as Christ does. And we're to encourage. We walk this pilgrim road together. We're members of this church. And as we finish 2023 and look at 2024, there are many unknowns in our horizon as a body are we going to have compassion with one another? Are we going to love one another just as Christ has loved us? At times are we going to be long-suffering with one another? It's not easy. We're sinful people. I'm sure if you're honest, at times I rub you up the wrong way. Maybe it's my accent you don't like. Not a lot I can do about it. But we're to come together. As a body. As a united body. We're to pray for one another this morning. Make sure you grab your, or your little um, blue booklets on the way out to directory. I said in all eight Sunday school, that it is a wonderful tool to pray for one another. Each day there are families listed. Pray for these people. Encourage these people. When you come to the house of God, raise your voice in song. As the prayers are give your hearty amen. As the word is read, listen attentively. As it goes forth, listen With all that you've got. Why? So that when that benediction is finally given. And you turn around. You look with compassion. You look at each other with the eyes of Christ. And you do not see the surface. But you see them for who they are. Part of a body that you belong to as well. This morning if I was to get out a large knife and cut off my hand. It would hurt a lot. We're all together. And so I urge you, look with compassion. Because look what Christ does. He didn't say, you know what, you lot? You're really, really annoying me. Can you all just clear off? Sometimes that's what we say. Maybe not verbally, but in our minds and in our hearts. He didn't drive them away. He didn't say, can you all just leave me alone? These men are tired. We wanted some time for rest. No. And he began to teach them many things. Jesus, as it were, here gets out a very large tablecloth and he grabs, as it were, the two corners and he flicks it out and he begins to spread a table of a spiritual banquet. He gives them that feast of truth. He led those lost sheep, those sheep that he had looked upon with compassion and he led them into those pastures of green Of his perfect, soothing, filling words. He caused them at this point to lie down beside still waters of wonderful revelation. Christ that day gathered up those lost sheep as it were in his arms. And he pointed them to God. He told them the way of life and of truth and of salvation. They were lost sheep and he had compassion. He wasn't asking them, hey, do you need temporal things? He told them of the love of God. He told them of hope, of life, of peace and joy that were available to them through him. He reached out to those lost sheep and he gathered them into his bosom. And he did the same for you and me on the day when he saved us from our sins. Do you remember the day when that good shepherd found you wandering in those dark hills of sin? Do you remember when he he lifted your feet from that miry clay and as it were, he placed you on his shoulders and he carried you and he continues to carry you to that place of peace and of safety and of blessing? Do you remember? At the end of the year, we like to go backwards. And we like to think of all the things that have happened in the last year. Brothers and sisters, go back to the day when he saved your soul. Go back to the day when that good shepherd grabbed you and pulled you into his bosom. because you're still there. He is the good shepherd. As we leave this calendar year, we should rejoice on what he has done for us. Trials. Tick that box. Temptations. Tick that one. Tribulations. Shortcomings. And yet he is a faithful God. A God who sustains and helps us. Who is God? He is one who cares. He is one who sent forth his son. The good shepherd. The shepherd with compassion. And the shepherd who is able to save his sheep. As you leave today and as you walk into 2024 tomorrow, as you open your eyes, where will your joy be? Where will your hope be? Where will your your place of peace and safety and of blessing be, dear saint? It won't be found in anything else than in Christ And in Christ alone. As we conclude, I ask Are you weary in the work of the Lord this morning? Have you lost the joy of your salvation? Have the things of God at times become a drudgery to you? Are you spiritually tired and worn out? Then come to the Good Shepherd. Come to Christ. Cry on to him. Put all your burdens and your petitions at his feet. And trust him. Trust him. He is the one who gives life and joy and peace and safety and blessings. He is the one who cares about your life. Man will fail you. Man is full of promises. Our promises, as Isaiah said, are like trash. Only the promises of God are yes and amen and what we can live our lives by. This morning, are you a lost sheep? As it were, are you out on those hills of sin, away from God and alone? The Good Shepherd cares for you too. Come to him this morning. Come to him while there is time. Come and repent of your sins. And you too can have that peace and that assurance and that safety and that blessing. All of us today, as we leave this calendar year, need to remember Compassion of Christ, the Good Shepherd. Let's pray. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word this morning. We ask, O Lord, that you would give us that peace and that assurance that can only be found in Christ. Perhaps for some dear saints who are struggling on the way, O Lord, we pray that they would come to you and cast all their cares upon you, that they would leave their burdens with you and trust you in all things. Lord, in these days, help us indeed to trust and obey. Help us to believe that you indeed are the good shepherd of the sheep. Help us, O Lord, to be wise with our words and wise even with our prayers in these days that we would come with those compassionate eyes as you did that we would draw alongside even those in our congregation that we would love and care for one another just as you have for us lord we ask that even this day for some who are lost and without that good shepherd that you would draw them onto yourself, Lord, we look out and so many do not know you as they should. We ask O oh Lord, that you would give them a new heart, that you would save them from their sins, and that they too would know you as the good and compassionate shepherd. Lord encourage our hearts, uplift even those who are unable to be with us and Perhaps are watching on the live stream, we pray that they too would have comfort and peace this day. And even as we leave, O oh Lord, may we give you all the praise and all the glory. For we ask it in and through Christ's precious name. Amen.